Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's Tuesday, July 18th, 2017, and you know what that means. It's time for episode number 37 of Two Nerds in a Pod, the nerdiest gaming podcast in the galaxy. I'm Lom, also known as Mr. Nice Guy, and I've got my comrade with me in gaming commentary, the miggity, 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 miggity Mac, also known as Maction. Maction, let's jump right into this, man. How are things, buddy? How is life? Um, things are good. I'm, uh, I mean, life is crazy as always, but, uh, but I'm managing. Um, gosh, you know, I have to admit, not a lot of cool stuff has happened to me over the past week, I don't think, um, except for I happen to know the exact time that I will be picking a certain someone up from the airport, uh, this weekend, and I have a few friends down near that international airport that uh, that I will have the opportunity to hang out with. And it's interesting because it's a couple of friends that I've met through Twitch and through online stuff. So I'll actually be hanging out with some people that, thanks to the interweblies, I happen to be friends with. So, Dude, that's so legit. I'm, Killing two birds with one stone. Now this person who you're picking up from the Las Vegas airport, Vegas mm-hmm. airport is he mm-hmm. a cool person, would you say? Like on a scale of uh, one to ten, yes, I would say he is on a scale from one to ten of cool people. Somewhere mm-hmm. on that scale is what you're saying, yes. but you're not going to give me a specific number. Guys, the person who he's picking up from the Las Vegas airport is me because I'm going out to visit Maxion, and specifically, you know, my family is in Utah right now on vacation. I'm going to join them on Friday. I had to work this week, so I had to do some things. After we hang out in Utah with Mac and do our live episode. In the same room of Two Nerds in a Pod next Tuesday, July 25th, we'll be driving out to Seattle, uh, myself and uh, and my family, and we'll be hanging out there, uh, and it'll be fun, man. And we may have some other stuff that we record while I'm in Utah with Mac, uh, but those are surprises we won't quite discuss at this point. Well, Mac, no fascinating stories. You don't have to, they don't have to be fascinating. Anyone make you angry this week, man? Anyone uh, do anything do anything uh, nerdy to you this week? Ooh. Uh, you know, I have to admit, it's been a pretty, you know, pretty uninteresting week. I mean, yeah, no. Dude, it's all good, man. Not every every week is amazing, dude. Some weeks are just relaxed, and that's cool. I have stories. Oh, yes, yes. Any any fun stand-up stories? I know you've been living the bachelor life for the past uh, few days. Yeah, and that's kind of what I'm going to talk about. So, I actually, believe it or not, people always think, like, once you get married and have kids that you want to go back to that bachelor life. I do not. I like having a wife and kids. I love them to death. When they're gone, I miss them. Uh, I feel incomplete. But that said, I got so much stuff done this weekend. I was telling my wife, like, I detailed my car. Uh, I did all kinds of stuff that's dorky and that I just had wanted to get done. I spent a lot of Saturday, like a couple hours on Saturday, working on my uh, my Raspberry Pi arcade, which I really need to show some pictures of to you. Uh, mm-hmm. And I didn't really picks or it didn't happen. Picks or it didn't happen. That's exactly right. And I didn't uh, really work on like the the hardware aspect. I worked on the looks of it. So for those of you guys who use the RetroPie and use a Raspberry Pi, they just released this new theme. It's amazing. It's called the comic book theme. And Mac, I'll have to send you some pictures of it or show them to you when I come out there because it mm-hmm. basically looks the inter- makes the interface look like a comic book. It's very, very cool. Uh, and it has video support. So every game that you scroll through has a video preview, which if you, if you like aesthetics, if you want your arcade machine to look really cool uh, on the screen, then, then this is the way to go. So I did that. Uh, like I said, I detailed the car. Uh, I ate a lot. I actually had a man night at my house as well. Uh, and it made me wish that you lived closer because it would have been so much more fun if you had been here. It was fun regardless. Uh, I had just... Uh-oh, someone's talking about my mic in the chat. Is the mic... Oh, man. They say I got a whole lot of static. It's not really bad, but it's there. That might be because I'm talking really loud in the mic. We'll have to fix that in post. Uh, thank you for letting us know in the chat. Also, welcome, you guys. But anyway, we had this man night at my house. Uh, I built, I grilled up some brats on the grill. Uh, everybody brought some food. You know, we hung out. We played some ping pong. We played some arcade. Uh, we put on Star Wars. You know, it was just a very relaxing, like, no wa- no girls allowed type of night. You know what I mean? Like, throwback to the early 90s uh, clubhouse culture where they had those clubhouses that said no girls allowed. We did that at my crib. It was awesome. That was my week, Mac. That was my week, man. 
That sounds like a fun week. It does. You uh, seem angry that I didn't invite you. No, no. You're, I totally, you're across I, the country. It's the truth. It's the truth. But no, I totally understand not wanting to go back to that life. A little while back, uh, Mrs. The Mac, she spent 10 days. She went. She even spent a day in Seattle or two. Oh, um, really? Yes, she did. She came away from it not having enjoyed herself. Um, but what? I'll let her tell what? you that story when you're here. I'm upset uh, with her already because <laughs> Seattle is the greatest place on earth. Uh, but it so happens that uh, that she was away for 10 days, and so I lived the bachelor life for about 10 days. And let me tell you, I was not happy with it. It was like, I got married, and so now this is done. I should never have to do this Ever. Yeah, never have to live the single life again. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's not as fun as people would think. You know, once you get married, you don't want to go back. Well, cool, guys. On that note, and you guys can quote us on that. Once you get married, you don't want to go back. On that note, I say we do what we do best, Mac, and I say we hop right into the gaming news. What do you think? Let's do it. Yes. Let's do this. For those of you guys and girls who are just joining us, this is Two Nerds in a Pod, the nerdiest gaming podcast in the galaxy, episode number 37 which means that we are 37% of the way to episode 100. And I'm going to start things off with a news story about my favorite game, Overwatch. Uh, this comes from Game Informer. It says a new hero is on the way to Overwatch. Doomfist, who was announced earlier this month, debuted on the Overwatch PTR, Public Test Realm, to make sure his abilities were balanced well. Now, Doomfist has a release date for when he's making his official appearance in the main game, which is July 27th. Doomfist is an offense hero, similar to the likes of Reaper, Genji, and Tracer. He wields a hand cannon that can be used for ranged damage and can also slam into the ground, knocking enemies off their feet. I can't read. As for melee, Doomfist has a rocket punch that deals damage up close. Now, Mac, I know you're not an Overwatch guy. Here's the question, though, and this is a generic question. There was room. There were rumors before Doomfist came out that Terry Crews was going to voice him. I think it would have been great if he did, but he did not. Here's my question. If you could have any actor voice a character in a game, what actor or actress would it be? Who would be a good fit for that type of... Now, I'll give you some time. Who you got, man? Patrick Stewart. Patrick Stewart, he would be good. He could do like a sophisticated, uh, like professor. Quite frankly, uh, you mean like a professor like of gifted children? A professor for a, at a school for gifted children. Absolutely. Yes. Now, I, I just think he would be fantastic at basically anything. We could give him. Although, you know, I just barely realized another good person, Alan Tudyk. No, I, I was watching Moana the other day, and he does the chicken. Okay. I mean, and I'm just like, you know what? Yep. Alan Tudyk could be another good one. I'd like to see that, too. Dude, I love that you're getting into Disney movies. I think that's fantastic. Oh, gosh. Moana was fantastic. Life isn't all about superheroes. Even though I love superhero movies and, and media, sometimes you just got to sit down and watch a Disney movie. Well, if I was going to pick one actor or actress to voice a video game character, I think I'd have to go with Christopher Walken? That probably sounded nothing like him, but that's who I'd go with. And hear, hear me out on it. I feel like he would play, like, a really good creeper. Like, just a weird, like, dirty dude in, like, a Grand Theft Auto. Like, he could he could be, like, a side character. Mr. Nice Guy, <laughs> you have this problem where you think I am a creep, uh, but I am not... Now, uh, why don't you tell me what you think I have buried in my backyard? That was fantastic. Kids in the chat, I want you to rate that impression on a scale of 1 to 10. Mac, and I didn't know that you could do that. Can I just do say any actor or actress and you can do that or just Christopher Walken? Oh, uh, we can try. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I immediately go to Denzel Washington. Or Samuel L. Jackson. One of those two I, I'd love to see you do. Uh, no, I I don't have... Uh, what was it you called it a couple episodes? Fla- I don't flavor. think I have enough flavor. flavor. You don't got the flavor. In order to pull off either because... Well, for I Samuel mean, L. Jackson, you just kind of got to yell. You just got to yell. But that's okay. Oh, we won't put you on the spot like yeah. that. 
Uh, anyway, guys, Doomfist is coming to Overwatch, and uh, and I'm excited about that. Overwatch still killing it with the new content. Mac, here's something that'll interest you. Story number two as a retro gamer. This is on GameSpot. It says, Atari revealed new details and images of its first console in over 20 years, the Atari box. The company has said it wants to bring both current and classic gaming content to a new device, which will contain modern internal specs. Atari said in a newsletter to fans that its objective is to create a new product that stays true to our heritage while appealing to both old and new fans of Atari. As such, it intends to launch two editions of its new console, a red-slash-black version and a wood version. The company stated that both variants will possess a smooth design with ribs that flow seamlessly around the body of the product, a panel, excuse me, a front panel that can be either wood or glass, a front-facing logo, indicator lights that glow through the material, and an array of new ports, HDMI, USB, and SD. Quote, as you can guess, those ports suggest modern internal specs, the publisher added. It also means that we will be delivering classic gaming content. We will also be delivering current gaming content. I'm going to stop there. So, Mac, now everyone and their mom wants to come out with a, a retro uh, console, right? Mm -hmm. With a retro remake. Atari is kind of going a different route in that they're going to have old and new content on it. Um... They don't really say what new content they're going to have, but I just want your general thoughts on this. Do you think that this is more appealing than simply a retro console? This is a mix of the two. Um, well, here's the problem. I'm not too familiar with Atari's current lineup of items, so I'm not sure what sort of new stuff could be on the table. And, uh, I mean, old and new in one box seems like an interesting, interesting idea. Um... My concern, of course, is that... Now, I've, I've gone on at length about the difference between emulated games and ported games and the differences that you run into, and, you know, uh, there, are some, there are advantages and disadvantages to each side of whether you emulate a game or whether you port it. Um, so I would be interested to see... Uh, well, I mean, when I when they say that they're going to do old and new, that makes it very, very, very likely that they're going to have an emulator inside of this box to emulate these old Atari games, and then of course, you know, have the new ones run maybe somewhat natively, which probably means either Linux-based or Windows-based. Probably more like Linux-based because they wouldn't have to pay anything to Microsoft for each of the boxes yeah, yeah, yeah. in order to keep costs down. So, I mean, I mm, at this point, I'm sort of up in the air. I imagine it would probably be mostly determined by what sorts of Atari titles are on there or have the potential to be on there to determine whether or not I would go for it. Yeah, I agree with you. And I was just scanning, trying to see what recent games they're going to put on there. It says... More recently, the majority of the company's business has been in publishing mobile games such as Roller Coaster Tycoon Touch, though the current owner of the Atari name, Atari SA, previously called Infogrames, is entirely separate from the original company. So, if, if they're planning on putting mobile games on this console, I think that that is not a good idea. Uh, mm -hmm. I just don't understand why you're going to take a portable game that's, that's, that's a jump-in and jump-out type of experience and put it on a console. Um, simply for the sake of putting it on there. To me, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, but I think it's cool that Atari, which is one of the original gaming consoles, is, is coming out with a, a retro version uh, for people who missed out on it. You know, quite frankly, I didn't own an Atari mm -hmm. growing up. I, that was well, before my time. I'm just scanning some of the uh, titles that they've relief, released in the 2000s, and I guess The Witcher, the first Witcher, is uh is you know 2007 ooh alone in the dark 2008 i did actually enjoy that i know nobody else did but i liked it um eve online interesting um yeah so i don't that, know that brings up questions though because it seems like like eve online i've never played it but i know that it requires online connection that you were playing it mm -hmm. online i'd assume that anyway uh, and I doubt that this console will have online capabilities if they want to keep it reasonably priced. So I'm curious how they will integrate a game like that into this console. Additionally, with a game like The Witcher, even the original, which I did not play, I'm going to go ahead and assume that it has more keys that are required to play it than the original Atari games. If you've ever seen an original Atari controller, it's basically just a joystick with, I believe, one or two buttons on it. So, I mean, are they going to have multiple controllers 
to be able to play the old games and then one to play the new games. It'll be interesting to mm -hmm. see how they incorporate all this. I don't know. I wish them success, and I think it's a unique idea. Uh, um, let's see. Next news story. This is about Bioware. Um, and a lot of you probably heard this story, especially if you're fans of Mass Effect, Dragon Age, any of those games. This is on Game Rant. It says... BioWare's general manager position is changing hands, with Casey Hudson returning to the company to take up the mantle as it approaches Anthem's 2018 launch. Hudson has spent the last two years working with Microsoft Studios as its creative director, specifically working on HoloLens experiences. Though his departure was never publicized, the move into the general manager position will be a shift for Hudson, who was the project lead for many of BioWare Edmonton's largest games prior to his departure. In a letter to BioWare's community announcing his return, Casey Hudson describes his feelings leaving the company and what's driving his urge to return. I'm not going to read the whole letter, uh, but basically here's the gist of, uh, of this story. The current BioWare, BioWare GM is leaving the company, and the old BioWare GM is coming back. Now, a lot of people think that that's going to cause conflict within the company or that it's the result of some conflict and some ill feelings and things like that. Here's what I want to get into. The original GM worked on the games Mass Effect 1 through 3, right? They were, they were generally regarded as fantastic. People had issues with the, uh, the ending of Mass Effect 3. The new guy w became the GM and worked on Mass Effect Andromeda. It didn't do well. It's kind of critically... Uh, accepted, or I should say generally accepted as, as not as good a Mass Effect game. So here's my question for you, Mac, and for people in the chat about gaming in general. How important of a role does personnel play in the success of a game? Um, to elaborate a little bit while you think about that answer, you know, we had The Last of Us that was made, and then the creative director for the, I believe it was the creative director for The Last of Us, now leaves Naughty Dog and says, hey, I'm taking a break. I'm not going to be working on The Last of Us 2. Um, same thing kind of happened with Uncharted 4. One of the ladies, I forget her name, uh, but she was writing some of the story for Mass Effect 4. She left, ended up having to bring in some other people to do the story. Turned out to be a fantastic game. A third example, while you guys are thinking about your answer to this question, Call of Duty, the Modern Warfare franchise with Infinity Ward, Robert Bowling, Vince Zampella, and West were originally working on that game and really were running things. They leave, and we've seen the direction that that game has gone. So I don't want to lead anyone to an answer, but I have my opinions on, on the role personnel plays. I'd love to hear yours, Mac. You know, it can make or break a game, depending upon the person. Sometimes it doesn't make all that much of a difference. Uh, video games are, by their nature, a big collaborative effort, so it's hard for one person, one person's presence or lack or absence um, is going to make or break a game. Right. I think the only time that that's really you know, maybe necessarily true is probably in the creative director. Somebody uh, who is not so much like running the game company. Because like CEOs, if a CEO changes or somebody who's overseeing multiple projects, that's one thing. But if it's somebody who's directly responsible for the creative direction of a game, that person changing out could be a big, you know, could be a big potential problem for a, uh, uh, for really any creative work. So I think if there's one person to be worried about if they announce that they're leaving the team, it's the creative director or director or, you know, whatever the lingo is in that particular creative venture. Yeah, I agree. Like, Robert Bowling, I believe he was the community manager, so maybe that's not that big a deal when he left Call of Duty. Um, not that he didn't do a lot of great work for the company, but I feel like that role... Uh, can kind of be replaced a little bit more easily than some of the other roles that, are, that go into making a game. So yeah, whereas the GM is leaving and really oversees everything, uh, you're right, I think that it can play a role. So uh, People say they completely agree with you in the chat, Mac, which, which is great. So uh, anyway, moving on, guys. we got like one or two more stories, and then we will move on to our next segment. This is another awesome story that I saw this, uh, this week, actually just today, as I was, as I was browsing the news articles. This is on Kotaku. It says, Nintendo is happy enough with its own Super Mario Maker, but modern extraordinaire Kaze Emanuar figured, hey, we could probably do with a Super Mario 64 version as well. So he made one. Did you already know about this? Mm -hmm. Were you going to talk about it? 
I was, but carry on. So actually, Mac, why don't you talk about a story that you want to bring up real quick, and I'll just stop what I'm doing so I don't steal your thunder. We don't collaborate before the show. We really come in blind, you guys, which is part of the the goodness of this podcast. Go ahead, Mac. Do you want to handle this one? Sure, sure. It's all you, bro. um, Go ahead. It's uh, so uh, unlike uh, other maker games, which are played on a different platform. Um, for example, um, as you guys know, the Mega Man Maker, which came out uh, over the weekend, is played entirely on the PC rather than on, say, uh, the Wii or you know anything else. The Ma- the Super Mario sixty four Maker is actually a ROM um, that you put onto your. Uh, your Nintendo 64 or your Nintendo 64 emulator. Um, it is, uh, because it was designed to be a 64 ROM, it does use the buttons present on the 64 to do everything. So you don't gain that much by, you know, say making it in a, you know, with in an emulator with a keyboard. There's, there's no real extra or additional advantage to the interface. So, um... So yeah, I uh, wound up, I heard about that earlier today, I downloaded it immediately, because this is going to be taken down by Nintendo. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. It's not debatable, it will be. Yeah, I I was honestly shocked that I found it in time to grab a copy. Just because Nintendo's usually more Johnny on the spot. They're, they're on top of it, man. Their lawyers literally just comb the internet for mm-hmm. for stuff like this. I'm sure they've got at least... I'm confident that they've got like a, a, like a, a small dark room in the basement filled with interns. And all they do is go around looking for Nintendo fan games or Nintendo-related uh, stuff. As I mean, we speak... The paperwork is being written up to take it down. They're getting a warrant oh, yeah. to search the dude's house. It's going down. I mean, there was that. Uh, there was that one. Um, oh gosh, what was it called? Um, there was that one lady, and I think she was in Canada, but she wound up printing up. And and now, granted, the Pokemon Company and Nintendo are two separate companies. They are. They are. They are related, though, in that they've got a lot of the same company philosophy and so on but um there was a lady in canada who was 3d printing um these uh planters that looked like pokemon and uh she got into hot water for selling them through her etsy shop or what have you uh but you know for a brief period of time you could have a little bulbasaur with a plant growing out of its you know growing out of its back area yeah, 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 man. So, I mean, yeah, I was just honestly shocked, and I was going to encourage people, if they were interested, to go find it um, and throw it on their uh, their um, the thing, the EverDrive thing 64s. The thing that sucks about this, though, is part of the joy, and you were streaming Mega Maker the other day, uh, Mega mm-hmm. Man Maker. Part of the joy is watching people play fan-made levels, right? Mm-hmm. And the fact that Mega Maker has a server set up so that you can go play random levels, or if someone gives you their level code, you can go and play it, is part of what makes it fun. I don't think anyone really just wants to sit around making levels without the opportunity for people to enjoy them. So even though you have downloaded it, the one thing that will suck is when Nintendo does a takedown. I don't know if they have servers set up right now, but if Nintendo takes the servers down, it almost becomes an obsolete piece of equipment because you can't share your levels. You know what I well, mean? But that's where I th- where I do believe that you're wrong. Um, it doesn't. I'm pretty sure that you don't actually need the server because once you've finished constructing it, you can package it. the The ROM will allow you to package it as its own thing. Now that does mean that it will be somewhat uh, uh, that it'll be somewhat unwieldy. Yeah. To make you know to make a whole game built out of that, but it should permit you to. Uh, 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 it should permit you to package it as a separate uh, as a separate file that other people can download. It's less it just convenient. Won't be, yes, it's absolutely less convenient, though. Yeah, yeah. So you can still upload it to the internet. Very mm-hmm. good. Well, guys, one more news story, and then we'll move on to our next segment. Now, this is one of my most exciting moments, uh, guys. This week is uh, is Destiny Two. Ed, we'll read real quick on Eurogamer about the Destiny 2 farm social space. Everybody already knows that the beta is going on. I'm not going to talk about that. Uh, But it says Destiny 2 social space, the farm, is set to replace the tower. 
the fan favorite gathering spot that players return to time and time again to change loadouts and pick up new quests. Changing locations due to the story reasons, the tower, as revealed in opening homecoming mission, has been destroyed. The farm looks to have many of the same functions as the original, but is set up to tap into more of the game's story and add a few new distractions to help kill time while you're waiting for friends. Uh, if you're interested in more on the game, you can read their pages here. Da 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 da. Um, so, guys, I believe you can play soccer in the new social space. You can do all kinds of cool stuff. Uh, it's cool to see Bungie adding these little details that will make the game better. Uh, I will say that I had some hands-on time with the beta right before this stream. To be completely frank, I only got one game of Crucible, which is the multiplayer, and then I did the opening mission, and I wasn't impressed, you guys. Uh, I mean, it just felt like DLC, you know. To use an analogy, and then I'll wrap this up, uh, I, when, when I played Fallout 3, I was blown away. You know, I played Fallout 3, I played all the DLC, and then as I was reading people's articles about Fallout New Vegas, they said it felt like Fallout 3.5. Like, not enough was changed. You know, the interface was the same. You know, everything was very similar. It felt like DLC. It felt like an add-on. Um, and that's kind of how I feel about Destiny in my 30 minutes of experience. I know that's too soon to really form an opinion, uh, but I hope that Destiny 2 really has some changes uh, that make me want to stay around longer than Destiny 1 did. Guys, that is our news for the week. Thank you for tuning in, and Mac, I'll turn it over to you, man. All right, well, welcome once again, now at the bottom of the hour, to Two Nerds in a Pod, the nerdiest podcast, gaming podcast, in the known universe. And this next little bit, we're going to talk about gaming history, just some interesting highlights from this past week in years previous that have shaped video games for us. And I want to start with Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic, released in 2003, for the Xbox. This was my first experience with, uh, well, I think it was probably my first experience with a Star Wars game, aside from TIE Fighter. Wait a um, minute, wait a minute. What year did it come out? 2003. Wait, did you ever play Super Star Wars SNES? I did not. I didn't have a Super Nintendo. The ROM? Okay, okay, never mind. See, I didn't have a Super Nintendo until just this past year, so, yeah, so I missed out on all the Super Nintendo games. Gotcha. But... Um, uh, but yeah, so I had played TIE Fighter on the PC, but playing Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic on the Xbox was really my introduction, not only, not only to, um, uh, to the sort of general Star Wars universe, but also to Bioware the company. And Bioware has done a fantastic job of a lot of games. And as a matter of fact, at one point in time, they were going to do this gritty, awesome uh, game called Star Wars 1313 yes. that that wound up going, you know, going down the drain. But for a brief period of time, we had some hope because there had been rumors that Bioware was going to take over the production of the game when uh, when Disney closed down um, the uh, LucasArts gaming division. We had not just some hope, but a new hope. Indeed. I had to. I had to get that in. I, I could. Well I, done, Mister Nice resist. Guy. Well done. Yeah, thank I, you. I, and nor should you. Nor should you. It was delightful. Um, <laughs> and, uh, uh, and and yeah, but uh, that really hasn't materialized yet. But for the most part, uh, this was my first experience with Bioware, and how they could just knock a game out of the park. And and Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic really was, uh, really was. I felt like it was one of the best, um, uh, the best modern role-playing games. You know, when I'm talking about early 2000s, I think it's one of the best role-playing games to come out of the early 2000s. So, so yeah. So we saw that uh, in 2003. Another one, Street Fighter II, was released in 1992 dun, for dun, the dun, Super dun, Nintendo. Dun, 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 dun. Now, love it. I have to throw this out there. Street. This is Street Fighter 2, and Street Fighter 2 Turbo was a separate release, if I recall properly. Right, yeah, Mr. Yeah, nice it was, absolutely. Okay. So this was purely Street Fighter 2 and not Street Fighter 2 Turbo. I'm given to understand that Street Fighter 2 Turbo is the more loved game of the two. I'd agree. I mean, again, not having a Super Nintendo, I'm just taking a flyer here. I'd agree with you, yeah. Okay, okay. Did you ever play Street Fighter 2 or just Turbo? I played both, but I owned Turbo. So I, my mm. most of my experience was with Turbo, and I feel like it was <laughs> the definitive at the time. Although there was a Championship Edition 2, and I didn't really get into that. So, 
Gotcha. Okay, well, I'll have to look a little bit into the differences, but in case you were wondering, it was in the very slow month of July for game releases that, uh, that they released Street Fighter 2. And then I was going to mention... Um, that the Super Mario 64 maker was released today. today. Woo! Gaming history. So that that's where I was going to throw it in. But uh, but yeah, those that's just a few of the uh, a few of the games that were released that uh, that have perhaps influenced us a little bit. But that's what we have for gaming history this week. Nice. Now, guys, we have a, a question. Uh, and actually, I should say what segment we're in before I just jump into it. Uh, this next segment is our viewer question of the week. A question where you good people ask us good people a question, and we give you a good answer to that question. It has to be gaming related. Now, we have a few questions, but uh, and usually we don't do it this way. We got a question from Maction this week, who is here with us live, as always. Um, and he asked, uh, what games do you want to see made in VR? Actually, the exact wording is, what games should be made? into VR. Now, Max, since you're here, I want to get some clarification. Are mm-hmm. you talking about games that are already in existence that we'd like to see VR versions of? Is that what you're talking about? I'm talking about either or. Now, it, in particular, um, last week we had a question by Mrs. The Mac, and she wanted to know about what games we'd like to see get a, uh, get a remaster. Um, and uh, that got me to thinking about some games that might be even better. And I think I I can think of at least one game series that I have in mind that I think would be even better um, in a VR setting than on its original, than in its, in its original release. Dude, which but, one? Uh, but yeah, whether we're talking a, a thing that exists and we're porting it and making it compatible with VR or whether it's a brand new IP... I leave it up to your imagination. Okay, I have a few. Do you want to go first, or do you want me to field this one? No, please. I just got finished talking. You go. Okay, let's do it. So uh, there's a few, and here's the first one. The first one is Portal. I would love to see Portal made in VR in part because when we went to the GameStop Expo, Maction and I, uh, we did get to try a Portal demo in VR. Um, Was it the Oculus, or was it the Uh, HTC? It was the the Vive. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it was amazing. It blew my mind. Uh, you didn't actually get to put portals down, but it had GLaDOS. It had uh, you were in a test chamber. It was just fantastic. You could look around. You could pick stuff up and move it. it was, I mean, it was just amazing. A whole game like that, I think, would be awesome. Now, I will add the caveat that with any of these games, there's the potential for you to get sick because of all the movement. Like, I can only imagine playing a portal game if you put them in the right places and you're like, going through them so quickly, you know, you, you'd get sick. You, you just would. So, um, but I still think it would be a fun game to play. Also, Super Mario Brothers, uh, three, a 3D version, so like a Mario Odyssey. Now, the reason that I say that is because I once saw a video of first-person Super Mario Brothers on YouTube. Someone had recreated Super Mario 1, the first level, in, in first-person, and I would love to play it in first-person in 3D. I think it would just be absolutely amazing. So, uh... What was my other one? I can't remember. Oh, Overwatch would be my next one. Um, I, I just think it would be absolutely amazing if there's a first-person shooter that would look beautiful in 3D. I think Overwatch is that game. Uh, I think that aiming would be a challenge because you're moving so much, but those are my three. I'll go with those three. And, uh, and Mac, which ones do you, you got, man? All right, so I have one, uh, one particularly... Uh particular series that I think would be great. And when I think about VR, I always think about the challenge that virtual reality games face for movement. Whether we're talking, I mean, if you want to put someone on a treadmill and have them run to move, or whether or not you, you want them to do this, that, or the other. But movement, I feel like, is still the biggest one of the biggest challenges for VR. And, uh, and so as I was just thinking about this and I was honestly playing one of the Myst games, I was playing Myst 3, I thought the Myst series is perfectly suited for VR. Reason being is that even with the current thing, you click on an area and you go to there. The game is already set up to work in like scenes where you move and you're instantly teleported into the next the next bit, the next area. Um, so I feel like 
that is one game series that would just work perfectly because you can look around already. The game is programmed so that you move and you move to a spot and then you can look all around that you want at your surroundings and then you move to the next area. It's practically like, you know, teleportation. Um, and that kind of fits great for the uh, uh, for the VR standard. So I think that's, that's probably even low-hanging fruit I think it would look great. You would need to update graphics and stuff a bit, but I think it would work out great in VR. So the Mist series, definitely something to look at for VR, and and that's what I was thinking when I asked the question. Nice. Now we have some people in the chat with suggestions. Uh, Mm -hmm. One person says Metro 2033 and Last Light. Uh, Also very environmentally focused games. Resident Evil 7 is good in VR. That's on the PS4. Uh, someone says Contra, Burnout Paradise, or a twin-stick shooter like Next Machina in VR. So yeah, lots of games would, would have good VR potential. Uh, thank you for that question, Mac. Guys, to submit those viewer questions to us, hit us up on Twitter at Two Nerds in a Pod before the show, or email us at Two Nerds in a Podcast at gmail.com. Mac, it's all you, man. All right. Well, this next little segment is one we know, we love, we call it Kick. Or kickstart, yes. and uh, I've got you know I, I had two in mind, and I think what I'll do is I'll just focus on one of them today, and uh, and we'll save the next for later, um, on account in interest of time this evening, but uh, but I'll go ahead and post it in the chat for you to look at. Uh, this is a good example of how not to do a Kickstarter. I like to do one of these every so often. So, Oasis Gaming, it's not a game, it's a lifestyle. Oh boy. We are passionate gamers who want to bring gaming into a social setting and turn gaming from a hobby into a lifestyle. Oh, it's no. set in Texas, apparently. Um, they repeat that exact line in the About the Project. Gamers are getting scholarships, making a living gaming, and even winning million-dollar checks from tournaments. It's evolving now then more than ever. This is not a corporate-owned business. Okay, great. What is your business? What are you? Good heavens. Let's just break down real quick. What's wrong with this? As a Kickstarter, you are asking people for money. The first thing to do is to make sure they know what you are about. And I don't know what these guys are about. I mean, I do because I dug into it a little while to figure out what on earth they were talking about. But their presentation does not give us any idea of what exactly they're doing. Oasis Gaming Waco. Okay, good for you guys. What's up? We're all young here at Oasis Gaming in our mid-twenties. We've poured everything we have into the business. What is your business? We can't get a loan to save our business due to age. Okay, so you already (laughs) have a business? So you already have a business, but you can't get a loan because you guys are in your twenties? I don't know. We're tired of working for creepy, corporate, greedy, corporate-owned business and being told to rip people off. What? Okay. Okay. Guys, stop. Back up. You have a logo. Good for you. You have a, uh, you know, you have a name. Good for you. But you've done nothing to tell me what you're about. So let me fill in the blanks. Oasis Gaming is basically one of those places where you can go, reserve some time, and use their equipment. Not a bad call. They have things like lock-in parties and such. Basically, it's one of those places where you go, you pay for some time, and you can use their computers to play on, their consoles to play on. You can do the stuff you want to there in a, as they say, chill, safe, relaxing environment. Um, But what is wrong with you that you can't start... I mean, I don't know what you are about... And clearly, it's been up for a few days, and they've had zero dollars pledged, which is a very special kind of failure. That, yeah, it's just one of those things where you have to ask yourself, what on earth makes you think that anybody's interested (laughs) in there? So, let me just break it down. When we talk about games, we know how Mac likes to have a playable demo to show off that you can do all the things to put a game together. Does this one have a playable demo? 
It does not, Mr. Nice Guy. It does not. Oh. But let's just start with this. We have to know what your product is, your product or your service. You need to open up by telling us what it is. Being passionate gamers who want to bring ca gaming into a social setting and turn gaming from a hobby to a lifestyle is neither a service nor a product. Don't tell... What is your product? Number two, why are you asking for money on Kickstarter? Or why should we... So, I mean, I mean, it's fine. They said, yes, we can't get money other ways. Nobody's willing to lend us money. This is also troublesome. Why is no one willing to lend you That's money? That's a good Do question. Do you have no collateral? Do you have no other... These are all things that you should address or you should... Uh, you should think we want to know. But you cannot assume that we know who Oasis Gaming is and what's their, uh, what, they're, what they are about. So for any of you who are thinking about a Kickstarter, if I don't immediately know what you are doing, what you're about, who you are, if I don't immediately know that from the first 10 seconds of looking at your Kickstarter page, you have already failed. So and just just like a general yeah. business tip. Sorry, go ahead and finish. I didn't mean to cut. No, you. no, go for it. General just, business. Just tip. like a general business tip and when it comes to promoting yourself, focus on the positive. Right? Focus on why people should give you what you're looking for. Don't focus on how you couldn't get it somewhere else and this is now your last resort. I remember just real quick, right out of college I was working for a different company than the company that I work for now, and this guy came in to interview um, and I was told the reason that they did not hire him is because he told them in the interview that he had to borrow gas money from a friend to be able to get to the interview. Now, he was probably trying to show how devoted he was, right? But mm -hmm. ultimately, they said, well, why would we hire you to work here if you can't manage your own life? You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And so it's the same thing with this Kickstarter. The guy says he can't get a loan, he can't get money from anyone else, so why would strangers on the internet give you their money when you've kind of proven that people close to you won't? So, I'm yeah. going to say kickstart. I'm just kidding. I'm going to say this one should be kicked. And I as well. And you guys in the chat, feel free to weigh in. I think this is a pretty, uh, I'm pretty sure this is a solid kick it from everybody. But uh, every so often, I think it is worthwhile for us to take a look at stuff that even we wouldn't go for and just analyze why is it that we would kick it? Yeah, why I... is it that we would kickstart it? And we know, of course... Um, we've learned some of the things, but sometimes you can learn a lot more by analyzing what's wrong with something than you can by trying to put your finger on what's right about something else. Yeah, and, uh, you know, maybe maybe I'm just looking to score points by kicking something while it's down. Mac but that's why I say <laughs> kick it. Kick it! Kick it. And that was kick or kickstart. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's time for the main event. Just kidding. It's time for my favorite segment of the show, a segment that we like to call the Dummy of the Week. Week, 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 week. Okay, no more of that. Um, a segment of the show where we talk about someone who did something stupid, idiotic, or downright dumb, and I make fun of him a little bit. I feel like Mac kind of already did the dummy of the week uh, when he talked about that Kickstarter, though, because uh, that, that was pretty crazy. So uh, this week's story comes from newsforjacks.com. Sometimes I wonder if these are legitimate news, news sites. But anyway, here it is. <laughs> Lake City, Florida. A 22-year-old and two teenagers from Gainesville were caught with guns, drugs, and a stolen game console in Lake City after some detective work by an officer, police said. According to the Lake City Police Department, surveillance video captured two suspects wearing masks and gloves breaking into a GameStop store on US 90 West about 2 a.m. on Saturday. The video showed the suspects throw a rock through the front glass door, enter the building, and grab an Xbox One S console before leaving, police said. I'm just going to say right now, um, if you're going to break into a GameStop by, by breaking the window, get your money's worth. You know what I mean? Like, if you're going to take that risk, you know they have cameras. You know that you broke the window. Take something that costs more than just the cost of replacing the window. I mean, it would be like breaking into someone's house and taking a roll of toilet paper. Like, that's just not... And we don't advocate crime here on the podcast, just to be clear. 
But I mean, you could have grabbed, I don't know, two Xbox One S consoles. Oh, and by the way, a new Xbox is about to come out. So the thing that you just stole is going to decrease in value and awesomeness within the next few months. So I don't know what you were thinking. You should have waited for the new one to come out before you broke a window to break in. Anyway. Now, now, hang on. Allow me to just... Uh, to just <laughs> Mac is going to uh, advocate for the criminals real quick. Let's just say, let's just assume that these criminals, sure, they wanted a, they wanted an Xbox One S. But you know what they didn't want, Mr. Nice Guy? They didn't want to steal anybody's pre-orders. Hmm? Hmm? They were being, they were being like, uh, I'm trying to think of the word. They were being they're being considerate criminals, basically. Yes. is what you're saying. Okay. Considerate criminals. I mean, I mean, that's that's what I. I mean, that's why I, even if I were inclined toward a life of crime, I would probably not steal right when the new console or the new game comes out because, well, hey, I could be stealing somebody's pre-order, and that would be unfortunate. Yeah, breaking someone's window, totally okay to these guys. Stealing mm-hmm. someone's pre-order, that's crossing the line, is what you're saying. Yep, yep. You gotta have standards. Yeah, you gotta you, you, have you lines. You gotta draw the line somewhere. I agree. Uh, the rest of the story goes on to say, Officer Brandon Colbert responded to the alarm, watched the video, and spoke to a witness who provided a vehicle description of a white Chevrolet Camaro that drove off quickly after the alarm sounded. Colbert decided to patrol the area of a second GameStop location the next night, about 2 a.m. Sunday, and at about 2 a.m. Sunday noticed a vehicle matching the witness's description, leaving the mall parking lot onto US-90. He pulled the Camaro over during the stop, and during the stop, K-9 Inca alerted on possible narcotics in the vehicle and... A search was conducted, which turned up a small amount of suspected marijuana, police said. So here's the, here's the next thing that I think is silly about this. Um, why do people commit crimes and carry other criminal paraphernalia with them while they are committing the crime? Let's just, let me just give you this. Here's Mr. Nice Guy's rules of common sense. Number one, don't commit crimes. Number two, if you're going to commit crimes... Don't carry other illegal stuff with you. Consider the fact that you could get caught committing the crime. And if you do, not only will you go to jail for committing the crime, but also for all the illegal stuff that you have on you. Leave the illegal stuff at home while you're doing illegal things, kids. So Mr. Nice Guy's checklist is before committing the crime, make sure your seatbelts are fastened, all the lights on your car have been recently changed so that there are no tail lights out, no license plates out. Make sure your car is clean of any and all substances or things that may even appear to be a, a controlled substance just so that you know that if they get you, they get you on the crime that you uh, that you committed and they should be looking at you rather than anything else. Yeah, exactly. Let's be smart about this. Let's be smart yes. about this. Uh, I'm not even going to read the rest of it, but uh, yeah, if you commit a crime, have a clean car. And also, if you're 22 years old, like one of the guys was in this story, don't drag your 16-year-old and 17-year-old friends into your life of crime. This was three men. One was 22. The others were 16 and 17. When you're 22, why are you hanging out with a 16 and 17? It doesn't make any sense. There's so many They were very wrong. cool 16 and 17-year-old guys, Mr. Nice Guy. Yeah, but clearly not very intelligent. And that's our dummy of the week. All right. Well, now we're on to our last segment of the show, which is a little thing we call Legalese. Legalese! And so for Legalese, we talk a little bit about uh, some of the court cases, some of the litigation that have shaped gaming. And we started uh, started the month of July talking about a specific player in the in the history of video games and his name's Jack Thompson a lawyer and a little bit of an activist and again I have to reiterate whatever you do do not look this man up because I don't want you to ruin for the surprises to be ruined so when we left off oh, uh, when we left off last we had talked a little bit about a suit that he brought up um Around, surrounding the Heath High School shooting in 1997, um, trying to bring in, uh, trying to bring in the makers of Doom, Quake, Castle Wolfenstein, uh, Mech Warrior, and Resident Evil into the lawsuit, contending that they were partially responsible and owed money, you know, for damages to the uh, to the victims' family. Um, the it was course was dismissed by uh, because of failing to present a legally recognizable claim in court, and 
Galvatron! Every... Ah! Ignore what Galvatron just said. Yo, Galvatron, you stop posting stuff in the chat spoiling whatever... No, no spoilers. No spoilers. Bruh. So... The uh, so uh, what is uh, what is uh, what I want to talk about next happens to have occurred in 2003, and in the year of 2003, there were several lawsuits that were actually uh, that were actually participated in in one way or another by Jack Thompson that involved Grand Theft Auto. GTA. Not surprisingly, Grand Theft Auto has long been considered to be one of the big of the violent video games. That, uh, that children need to be protected from and so on. So Jack Thompson in February of 2003 participated in one particular lawsuit um, that was, uh, uh, that was, let's see, where was I? Yes, 2003 um, involving Grand Theft Auto. And the interesting thing about it is that he didn't actually, he wasn't actually one of the councils, whether on one side or another. What he was was he was an he filed an amiscus curiae, which is uh, I'm sure I ruined the Latin, but Latin's a dead language, so we don't know my pronunciations wrong. But it's a friend of the court thing. Basically, anybody who's a legally recognized uh, uh, lawyer can file a brief where they say, um, where they essentially say, I haven't been asked to participate in this case by either side. But I want to offer, you know, I want to offer my assistance, my opinion, or what have you. And so Jack Thompson, not being a party to this case, felt so strongly about these murder simulators, as he used to call them, that um, that he uh, that he asked to be looped into this case. Um, he participated for a little bit in this friend of the court, you know, situation where he basically sat in on the case and then at one point in time um tried to get himself appointed to the defense of the uh of the person who had uh who had done the uh who had done the killing um and offering to try and and swing this case into the direction of arguing that the video games had made him do it and he should uh and you know that's the case that they should go with uh the defendants did not decide to go with him but you know you can't fault him for giving a good old you know good old college try to it so uh, another one happens to be same year a little bit later in Tennessee uh, Thompson um, filed a lawsuit on behalf of the victims of two stepbrothers who had pleaded guilty to reckless homicide endangerment and assault so they had pleaded guilty um, they were starting to serve their time but because the boys had told police officers during the investigation that they were inspired by Grand Theft Auto 3, Thompson sought $246 million in damages from Take-Two Interactive. And while he was at it, they also looped in Sony Computer Entertainment and looped in Walmart. This dude's and an said, idiot. He's an idiot. And said, you three, you three are responsible you three knew or should have known that this game, Grand Theft Auto 3, would cause copycat violence. Now, um, on October uh, 22nd, they moved it to a different uh, district, to a different court. Um, and then two days afterward, the plaintiffs, which would have been uh, the uh, which would have been the victims of the two uh, two people who died. Um, voluntarily dismissed the case. So it was never really gone forward Good. from there. Now, uh, there is actually, the fun part is, is between 2000 and, uh, between 2003 and 2009, I believe, uh, there were four different suits that he participated in, um, in the very similar fashion. Um, however, in the interest of time, that's where I'll leave it. But don't worry, because next time we are going to get to possibly the coolest chapter of the Jack Thompson situation. Dun, so dun, dun. be sure to tune in next time. Not only will we be live, will we be together in the same room, a, in the same room instead of separated by a couple thousand miles. 
We'll be in the same room for the next uh, for the next recording and episode of Two Nerds in a Pod. But also, we will hear the exciting conclusion of Jack Thompson, attorney at video games. We need to come up with a term for the way we're doing the next episode. Because technically, we're always live. True. And I don't know what the word is. There's probably not a word for it. Um, I don't know. But studio recording, studio I guess. Studio recording. But dude, that was know. fantastic that legally is. Seriously, that's very interesting. Um and very idiotic by Jack Thompson. Well, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we're right on schedule. 54 minutes in, we try to keep it to an hour. This has been our show, Two Nerds in a Pod, the nerdiest gaming podcast in the galaxy. And now, oh, and it's episode 37 if you didn't already know. Um now we do one last segment we like to call what we've been watching and what we've been playing. Where we talk about, wait for it, wait for it, keep waiting for it, what we've been watching and what we've been playing. So, in the chat, we like you guys to tell us what you have been watching and what you have been playing, because we're always looking for more nerdy stuff, more nerdy media to consume and to play. Uh, so let us know. Mac, why don't you get us uh, started, man? Or I can, yeah, sure. either way, either way. No, no, no. So, I've been playing, uh, I've been playing some uh, Mist 3 on Xbox, okay. original Xbox, and I've also been playing some uh, uh, Prince of Persia, The Two Thrones, on original Xbox. Good stuff. Yes. Um, although it is infuriating because you miss that stealth kill and suddenly you need to fight 25 dudes. Yep. Does this have the, the so sands fun. where you can go back in time or no? It does indeed. Yeah. It is it is part of the Sands of Time trilogy. Nice. But uh, that's mostly what I've been playing. What I've been watching... I've mostly been watching uh, old episodes, 1960s Twilight Zone, Ooh. actually, lately. Ooh. It's good stuff. Nice. Now, as far as what I've been doing, you really have rubbed off on me. I'm doing the retro stuff uh, this past week. I told you guys that I worked on the, the arcade a little bit this weekend at the beginning of this episode. Uh, Mac had mentioned, I believe, during Gaming History one or two weeks ago, you had mentioned Little Samson. Is it called Little Samson? On the NES? Yes. Yeah. Dude, I got that. That is fantastic. That game is really, really good. Now, did you actually play that when it was out? Uh, like when no, it was, when I it didn't was play it until probably a couple of years ago. Dude, it, it, it inspired me to look it up on YouTube. And I guess you may have... In fact, I think you shared this on that episode. It was the company's... I believe it was Taito was the name of the company. It mm-hmm. was like their last shot at putting out a good game. And it didn't do well because it came out, like you said, at the end of the life cycle of the NES. It's fantastic. Like, very, very good controls, really, really diverse gameplay mechanics. Uh, Just a really good NES game. And there's even a true ending. Dude, I'm excited. Don't spoil it, though. Mm -hmm. I'm excited to get to it. So I've been playing a lot of little Samson, um, really getting into Overwatch as well. been streaming it. And Destiny 2, guys. Destiny 2 beta, I should say. Uh, there's been other retro games I've been playing. Uh, I just put Boogerman on the Retro Pie, uh, just just to have like a weird, random kind of dirty game, you know, where you throw boogers at people. Uh, so I put that on there, and that's kind of what I've been playing. Now, as far as what I have been watching, um, what have I been watching? I've been watching. I've gotten a little bit back into Daredevil, trying to wrap up season two. Uh, Madam Secretary Mac, I'm telling you, man, it's like the West Wing. Of political dramas, you'd really like it, but I know there's so much other good stuff to watch. Uh, watched a little bit of Gotham season two, and I don't know. It's I think I took too long between end of season one and starting season two, because I started season two and I was like, I'm not interested in this show anymore. So, so uh, maybe I just will never finish Gotham, and I've probably been watching other stuff too. But that's enough. That's what I've been watching and what I've been playing. Mac, why don't you hit up the chat? Tell us what the people have been looking at. Indeed, for watching, we've got uh, Deep Space Deep Space Nine season six. Uh, we've got uh, rec- uh, we've got Castlevania on Netflix. Um, let's see, we've got some Subnautica and Stellaris, and some watching the record of Lodos War remaster. Not familiar with that one. Other games: Next Machina, uh, Titanfall Two, Tekken Seven, and Horizon Zero Dawn. Nice. All good stuff. All really now, good games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, uh, someone in the chat said that when we get together, Mac, to do the show in the same studio, that we should do some couch co-op, and I think that's a good idea. I don't know what game we would do, uh, but I think that Mario could be Kart a f- 64, maybe? Dude, I'd be down with Mario Kart 64. I don't know if we would need to record that for the podcast, 
Uh, but I think we could like do the show and then afterwards do some couch co-op. I'd be down. Uh, yeah, I think so. so. We'll chat about it. Uh, guys and girls and kids, thank you for tuning in to episode number 37 of Two Nerds in a Pod, the nerdiest gaming podcast in the galaxy. Whether you're here live with us or listening after the fact, we appreciate you. Check us out on iTunes for all old episodes. Leave a rating, like, subscribe, share it with the people. Mac, anything else you want to say before we let the people get going? You know, we are excited that you're here. Thanks for coming around. Thanks for listening. Be sure to leave us a a like or a rating on iTunes uh, because we're getting better and better ratings, and we appreciate it. And it's all thanks to you guys. You are the best listeners slash viewers on the interweblies. Thanks for coming around. We'll be back next week. Same bat place, same bat time, same bat rhymes here on twitch.tv backslash two nerds in a pod, 9 p.m. Central, 8 p.m. Mountain. We'll see you next week. Keep it nerdy. Deuces.